0: Welcome to Season 5 of the podcast of The Urban Mystic. In this season, we are exploring relational spirituality, which is rooted in immediate engagement with God. It is a relational mystical spirituality encouraging people to enter deeply into living and loving in relation to their own self, others, the cosmos and God. In seeking to establish a relational spirituality on the foundation of our value for intimacy with God, we are teasing out the difference between our relationship to the practice of the faith, and to the pursuit of relationship with God. In this episode, we start our discussion on ministry time, which is not just an add-on to doing church. It is perhaps something broader than a short five-minute box following the sermon. It is a constellation of values rooted in intimacy with God, a healthy theology of the kingdom of God matching that of the New Testament, and a model of interaction including God present in person to speak and act and an underlying culture shared amongst each and every individual seeking to know God tangibly and relationally, not only for themselves but also as they share in the life of a community. We'd love you to support the work of The Urban Mystic by liking this episode, subscribing to this podcast and posting a comment, these really help out the algorithms. I don't charge for any of the work I do and am entirely reliant on the generous support of our listeners and benefactors. If you'd like to contribute in this way please follow the paypal link in the show notes you can also contact us via the form on the website if you'd like to get to know our values vision mission and story so firstly it's it's really good to be recording it's felt really higgledy piggledy for me but it's nice to have the head back in the game so so i'm thinking that with the recent release of the jesus revolution movie and the recent asbury revival it's it's a good point for us to touch on ministry time and the quote unquote t- doing the stuff that Jesus did stuff. But The big thing when I think about this is is that during renewal there's this quite a disruption to doing church. It's as though God becomes present in a different way in an unexpected way, and people start making use of church in a different way. Both people that do church and people that go to church. But the whole thing is is that these renewals are characterized by. God's immediacy, God's present, God's presentness to speak and act, but then God withdraws, and very quickly we're back to doing church as usual. And so there's this classic problem that renewals don't last. We can't trust them. We can't trust them. And so the question is, how do you make them happen? How do you make them? Uh, how do you keep them going? You've got lots of problems associated with that. And so really, you know, is it because God can only muster up enough energy every few decades to move in a small geographic area? <laughs> <laughs> or is there actually something really amiss in what Christians are doing when doing church? And, and that's really where I'd like to, to, to go. And I'm thinking of, of this being a two-part episode. Uh, no, not a two-part episode, but a two-part conversation. Because there's so much to, to consider in a healthy way that what ministry time is in a, in a very practical sense, um, at least in the sense that I'm understanding it so so perhaps you know we can we can define it we can look at it as a good thing in this conversation and then we can go into a bit of a deeper analysis and land at why i feel that just adding ministry time to church doesn't actually solve the underlying problems with the paradigms that we have that you know, or with the doing church paradigm so, so I'm kind of thinking of it that way because because there's a lot that I'm excited by, and much of my time in ministry and much of my time in working with people is to do with the presentness of God and the tangible presence of God, the pursuit of that. And for a lot of people, they think back to an event or an experience they had when God was very present. Or they can think back to doing something like the Alpha course, especially where they, when people do the Holy Spirit weekend away as a as an actual weekend away to go and experience the tangible presence of God. And that's that's very much part of how it, it, it's curated in some circles and still is, but largely also not. So there's there's a lot of diversity in terms of thinking about it, like we've had in previous episodes. But but when looking at the positive, when looking at the tangible presence of God, there's, there's so much related to ministry time that's really good to celebrate. And there's so much that comes from, from the introduction of the presence of God to church that changes the experience of church completely. You know, I'm I'm just throwing out that out to start to, to just take a look at what that is, what it looks like, why it's a good thing, why we can be excited about it, and actually why we should make it a priority in the context of gathering to meet with God because it's, it's in that tangibility that I feel that there's a, there's a practical transition from a community that gathers to be taught or, you know, from gathering a community because you want to teach them and preach them or being part of a community that gathers because you want to learn and be in that environment. And I think of those as gatherings as about God rather than gathering to meet with God. But the minute this tangibility comes into the picture, and and there's the expectation of a, a literal tangible encounter with god in that context and one opens it up and prioritizes that then we actually shift shift towards doing church as a gathering to meet with god and the deconstruction about the doing church paradigm that you and i have been throwing out has been around the the difference between gathering to meet about god which you know you can just do in any context and uh, church is nothing special if that's what we're doing but when we gather to meet with God, there's actually a very big difference in what we do and the kind of dynamic experiences that people have. And that's where it comes alive. And that's what I'm excited about. And so when I criticize the doing church paradigm, I'm thinking of the underlying paradigm that, that brings us after renewal very quickly back to just doing church and meeting about God. And that's, that's something that's going to be addressed, but I'd like to dig into that into, you know, in its, in its own right. And, and to dig into it on the backbone of discussing everything that we were excited about when it comes to ministry time and the tangible presence of God. So that's a that's a very incoherent and malformed <laughs> like blah <laughs> regurgitation. <laughs> and I'm just going to throw it over to you to pick up.
1: <laughs> well that's cool. Perhaps it's a good idea as we start. I'm thinking about ministry time as a as a as a phrase. That comes up a few times as you speak. Doing church, the positives of ministry time, perhaps the negatives of ministry time, a trade-off one against the other. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps that's enough to get us going. Because in in a way, what I hear you saying, and then and then what I want to sort of push towards is some of what you said is perhaps let's define some of that to get started so that it's clearer what we're talking about. I see having ministry time, tick, yes, good. Let's talk about that as the benefit. Not having ministry time, not good, bad, negative. Let's talk about that. And then I see another sort of seesaw axis with doing church almost, not versus ministry time, but the practice of doing church essentially against, you know, negative versus perhaps. See, that's why I'm looking for the language. Not not doing church with ministry time, but let's then just call it ministry time. And many people, I think, at the level of those phrasings would go, uh, you're splitting hairs, it's all the same thing. And we're not saying that, I think. And so how would you define, see if we can wrap something up somewhat succinctly, even if it takes us a while to just draw that together, How would we juxtapose doing church, ministry time? Are they very different? Is there like quite a considerable Venn diagram overlap, but there are some very clear peculiarities, you know, or something missing from the one that is present in the other? Perhaps we should start there and then move on to doing ministry time well or badly, unless there's something in between that perhaps. But I liked when you said, let's define some stuff. I think that's a great kicking off point. Because uh, sometimes I feel people will argue with me half for half an hour and then go, but that's not what I'm saying. And then I pop out a definition and they go, oh, okay, well, that helps. I think, well, let's start with that and uh, see where it leads to. How does that sound?
0: It sounds really good. I, I think to start, I'd say we're talking about when it comes to to ministry time, we're talking about a practical model. That's rooted in healthy values and excellent theology, and and that's focused on the kingdom of God, that draws together the sense that that we don't only announce the good news of the kingdom of God, but we also demonstrate it. And 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 hence there's the leaning towards the, the language of the phrase, doing the stuff of the kingdom or doing what Jesus did. That stands out as being quite quite an important uh, amidst that. Most modern church. Has a similar format in that we hit we we do certain activities in a similar order, and you're going to find that in in, in many Protestant churches, basically. So mainline churches can differ sli- d- differ especially if they highly traditional and they've got a very you know set order of service. But but even within that, you've got a similar flow. So it's, it's it there's an evolution that came out of it, and that basically means that you you land in the context of of a church gathering basically being starting with worship following into some form of marketing tithing news you know but that's a short that's a short stint you know the the report backs the news all of that kind of stuff and then the main event is the sermon and then usually church ends after that. You might have a time of prayer, but but a time of prayer and praying for people differs to the, to the idea of, of of ministry time, which is a very different model. But so so you end up with that as the basic gist. And then during the the seventies and the Jesus Revolution, there was a you know you got Lonnie Frisbee, John Wimber, and others looking at, at 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 a practical model and saying how do we fit this in? That if we are prioritizing the person and work of the of the Holy Spirit and and the main event is for the spirit to be present to speak and act then then worship is not the end of the church we we have ministry time that follows so so the 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 worship component ends up being yes when we are announcing yes when we we're preaching and then we walk we're moving into a time of demonstrating or the the practical outworking of this is that we've preached on behalf of a god that now draws near in person to speak and act and how do we do that and so there's a there's there's a number of values that were thought through and a practical model that involves a a time of hearing from god sharing prophetic words or, or or just calling people up in response to the message and making time to for people to invite god to draw near in person and for there to be a meeting between people and god so you end up with people that are ministering and you end up with people that are being ministered to but in in that second model, what you have is this advance of church. The church isn't just worship, a time of marketing church activities and doing the admin and, you know, communions and that kind of stuff. And then the main event is the sermon. But the sermon is the precursor to, to, to time of actively waiting on and meeting with God. And, and there's, this, there's this practice of inviting God to draw near and, and then being, how do you put it? being expectant that God is going to draw near and God is going to speak and God's going to do things. And we want to hear what God wants to say and we want to see what God wants to do. And we want to be receiving it and we want to be joining in with what God is doing to see what God is doing with other people and hear what God is saying for other people. So 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 there's a there's a difference between the two different models of church there, I feel.
1: Yeah. And I want to just just sort of really try and hone in there in terms of what you're saying on what the dividing line is. Because often part of the immediate response, and and we could probably go through this somewhat quickly because we've covered it a few times before, I think, but the response is but God is present in the music or the lyrics um, and that people can have an experience singing a song with God speaking to them. I've got air quotes here through a lyric of a song or a turn of phrase or, or something, or God is present in the reading of the Bible god is present in the preaching of the word so somebody gives a talk or a motivational upliftment or an encouragement or a one hour long bore you to tears lecture or even something quite vibrant and enjoyable and motivational all the rest that good bad and ugly and that god is present there in somebody speaking on god's behalf and that somehow god is speaking through that person To the people there, in the same way, I guess that God could be speaking through anybody, leading a prayer, uh, giving an announcement, leading a song, etc., etc. But the dividing line that we're drawing there is that that is possibly happening, but not intentionally, consciously. A this is God drawing near in person. That is more proxy oriented we would say is that uh, is that a good way to very much say so. cool
0: basically there the experience of god is synonymous with the experience of worship or the experience of the message
1: yes without the message and without the worship god is not present
0: yes and and in ministry time what we're doing is we, we're moving to, to a time and we're saying okay the, the time of worship you know, that formal block of worship is over. You might have some ambient worship going or, or you might return to worship, but you don't return to worship for the sake of worship. You you return to wait on God. And that's, that's different. So, so in essence, you could, you could strip away worship and you could strip away the message and you'll have God very tangibly present so that God is there and you're meeting with God. You're not collapsing the experience of God into worship or 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 the message or you're hearing even you know either as the person giving the message or as the person receiving the message you can say there's stuff that works for me and yeah i'm hearing god in and through that but that's not the same as as the as as a person standing there saying actually i i want to meet with god because i need healing or i want to meet with god because I I'm I'm desperate for a tangible real experience of God's love. Like what does that look like? I can preach about God's love. I can sing about God's love, but that's not the same as actually experiencing God God's presence wrapping around me. You know, in ministry time, there's this there's, there's a sense that I'm looking for that immediacy, that immediate engagement with God rather than feeling like okay, well, it's been met enough because I've had some sense of it in the worship, or some sense, some sense of it in the message. Mm.
1: Yeah. And uh, what would you think about this statement, which I also think we've explored uh, at times? It's not to say that people cannot or do not meet God in the middle of a song in a church building, or during someone speaking, or lecturing, or teaching, or preaching, or during a prayer, or something like that. But that the the organizational energy is is not pointed in that direction. That's maybe a clumsy way of putting it, but I'm trying to think. An individual can stand in a church building during a song and go, where are you? Do you love me? I'm here, are you there? I desperately need you. I need help. I'm here for healing, whatever. And those one-to-one almost, or those moments can happen. I think I've experienced them. But but the doing church paradigm is very much a communal. We're all gathering to do this. And that's almost in a way incidental. And I think it's almost subsumed into that. Well, look, that happened because we were singing and preaching, whatever. And that's where I would say, no, 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 absolutely not. They're different things.
0: There's there's a world of difference, say, between an expository sermon, where a lot of teaching is taking place, and an encouraging sermon or an exhorting exhortation sermon, where you're trying to entertain or or whatever. You know, like we we could differentiate between those and go, oh, it's all it's all preaching, so it's all the same thing. But in practice, they're not the same thing. And I think I think similarly when it comes to worship, we can think of there being this praise and worship, praise being buttering up the ego of God in some way and telling God how good God is, and more intimate worship is is the expression of love or desire for God. So 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 we, we can start like passing these things up in that way and 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 getting into them. And I think similarly, um, like the analogy that I use is is I think of worship and the message as the cover band and the main events is God drawing near and taking the stage. And so so while God has collapsed into something like the message, the priority is the message. The primary activity that is taking place is someone is delivering a message and a whole lot, and a group of people are listening to it. And the yeah, same thing paradigmatically
1: is, about God,
0: hey? Yes, paradigmatically about God. Now, God surely does speak in and through that, and that's all good. I'm not taking away from that, and I'm not criticizing that. What I am saying is that there's a distinction between the 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 primary person there being the minister versus the primary person being the person of god being god present in person and that's what we move to in ministry time and it's the same thing in worship the primary activity in worship is you've got you've got a a, some form of band or musical team doing the music and leading the songs and working with the flow of 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 the songs and the people's participation in them and the people are primarily singing. So the primary activity is that of worshiping in the sense of, of by song. And that can involve moving your body and different body postures or it could involve sitting or standing or, or whatever it is. But the primary activity is there is, is worship. But in the context of ministry time, the primary expectation is that God is going to be present in person. And the primary activity is waiting to meet with God and arriving to meet with God. And 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 that being characterised by the desire of going, I love this God. I want to meet with this God, and and I guess one of the ways to um to illustrate that is to go back to like in my early Alpha days, uh, took people away for a uh, for, for for the weekend of the Holy Spirit, and I did the session teaching about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit that's a teaching component. So everyone, you know, some people excited about it. Other people is like, what the hell is this guy on about? (laughs) You know, other people are like, okay, wait, no, no, you're talking about this as though God can be met. So how do I meet this God? And in that context, it becomes very clear. You're talking about a God that can be met and and the Holy Spirit is one of the first persons of the Godhead that can be met. And then you're going, well, how does that happen? But then in ministry time, when we shift from that dynamic of, of preaching or teaching about it, I shifted over time of of then saying, well, I'm going to invite this the Spirit of God we have been talking about to actually draw near to us in person. So I'm going to invite you to stand and let's wait on God. So let's invite God together with me, and then let's see what God wants to say and do. What does God want to say to us? What does God want to do amongst us? And that for me illustrates the difference between the two. You know, the one is is I'm, I'm preaching about this this the Spirit who is God, and then and then we're saying, okay, let's let's invite let's invite the Spirit to come. And see what the spirit wants to say and do and and there's a fundamental difference in the practice of doing that and for the most part in that environment people have no idea what to expect because they they don't practically experience god drawing near in that way or they haven't and that's largely because church isn't done in a way that creates that possibility or makes that time available and and i think that's what we're talking about in the context of church so so often what happens in renewal is you've got god kind of bludgeoning um, God's way in and being very disruptive to church because it, it it mixes up this time of worship and prayer and preaching and that that we've got and then suddenly people are like what they're emotional and you know things are happening that are strange and uncomfortable and then it's like how do we control this how do we like what are we going to do with people right <laughs> And so this model this model then emerges and my primary familiar, familiarity with this is from my days in the vineyard and days of being in the vineyard movement and my days of running alpha courses or being the speaker at alpha courses and being responsible for the ministry time primarily.
1: Now take me through some of the mechanics of that because I think that's also quite important because I think somebody looking in could potentially quite easily go, Oh, but how is that any different? It's all the same thing. You've got somebody up at the front, presumably, saying, oh, now we're going to wake, wait on God. And so how is that any different from a preacher standing up front or a band or a worship person or a musician or whatever or somebody leading a prayer or whatever? Um So it looks the same, you know, I look in through the window and I see the same sort of setup going, let's say. So how does that kind of, what are the mechanics of that that means it actually plays out differently through not just, you know, the orientation kind of corporately is different. That's how I read it from just sort of sitting passively and taking in a sermon, even if you're quite actively taking it in. You're not. I think there's a difference between sort of the academic or rational alertness, awareness, sort of activity, and relational. Because I think you're not just engaging sort of certain parts and 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 disengaging others. When you engage relationally, I think there's a lot more going on in terms of of where you can be triggered. It's easy to stay in a rational sort of abstract and that i think is can be quite distanced stance when you're just entertaining things cerebrally but if your emotions and then even deeper than that, like fears desires etc are engaged there there's a very different kind of alertness even if you're active it's differently active you know what i mean but but it can look very much the same and so take me through your experience perhaps i think that might be helpful around ministry time and the mechanics of of what happens and who does what and what does waiting look like and does it make sense
0: that does make sense so so i think i think in some environments it looks like the same because you still have one person on the stage and they're trying to hype everyone up and everything comes through them they're the person that's walking around waving the hand and people are falling over or they the person up and they've got control of the microphone and they're just giving the words and 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 it's it's about them so there's there's a way in which people do this where it's very centered on on the ministry leader and i think that that is a, a hybrid method that leans towards being very unhealthy because there's a lot of pressure on that individual that person's got to perform and so they're not feeling it it's not happening for everyone else and that's that's a problem so i think of of the shift towards something that's more collective which is why which is why i say that the that that the the values the culture of doing it and the actual model and the practice of it like is very important to consider but i don't want to get overly technical uh around all that so i think i think the big shift with that is that it 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 shifts from a single team facilitating for a congregation in worship, we shift over to a single speaker, predominantly speaking, and they hold that space, and everyone is listening to them. And so, what shifts is is the speaker steps out of the way, and 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 God moves amongst the, the the people. And so, you see that that the the place of activity shifting, the place, what's going on, what's primarily going on shifts, and the happening of it shifts from what's happening on the stage to what to to what's happening in amongst the people that are waiting on God and meeting with God so it becomes does that make sense let me just
1: start that yeah thing. no no that's that's a good because i wanted to ask a question so uh, we <laughs> we had a we had a joke myself and a couple of other people who shall remain nameless for their own protection we had a joke at one of the last churches i was at uh, and and we called it the midget microphone And it was a special microphone set down at the front of the church, and it was set on a microphone stand that stood, I don't know, 80 centimeters off the ground. And only very, very special people were allowed to speak through that microphone. Only organizationally sanctioned individuals got the pass to speak through that microphone and so when there was ministry time happening it was centered around that microphone and you could tell it was from my perspective it was crystal clear that god did not move amongst god's people because the microphone did not move amongst god's people it was held at the front you had to either be in if i'm very sort of ungenerous, you had to be within kind of the clique within that church to be allowed to come and speak. But you also have to had to have had a number of sort of, it had been vetted in a few ways. So, for example, <laughs> as you probably would imagine, I was not allowed to use that microphone. Oh, no. Because <laughs> cause, cause I didn't check the boxes in terms of being able to give an accurate message from God through the microphone. And so immediately when you're talking, I picture that and I go, okay, so what does that mean then? Somebody sort of, there must be somebody somewhere, especially if it's a larger gathering where, you know, people are mic'd up. What do you mean by God moves amongst the ministry happens down there? Is there no one on the stage? Is that person on the stage holding space in such a way that they are actively pushing the attention and the centering of what's going on away from themselves, do they get down and move amongst the people? Is there a team? You know what I mean? Like that I'm really interested in, in terms of how does that, how does it play out so that, do you know what I mean? Because because the other side of the coin is always that the organization molds itself around. It's very, very clear where God is and is not allowed, in my mind, to be active. You know what I mean? And so... I figured to myself, oh, in the nuts and bolts of this, it must play out very differently, or at least very different, even at a very subtle level. So if that makes sense, run with that for a bit and tell me what you think.
0: Sure, 100%. So so I think that there's a big difference between a church culture like, like the Quakers, where you don't have a single speaker that's a designated speaker every week, but you've got a community that is all excited to wait on God. And then someone's going to step forward under the quote unquote inspiration of the Holy Spirit to speak. There's something very different when 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 that is is owned by the congregation, compared to most other environments which we're more familiar with in the um, in the in, in Protestant circles. Uh, is that it's minister centered, it's preacher centered, and so it's micro uh, microphone centered, <laughs> 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 <A> microphone centered, right? <laughs> that that becomes that becomes the hotspot. So so we've got a world of difference between those two. Now, now ministry time as a model is a is a way of bridging that gap with good values and good theology and good training, so that it doesn't stay micro microphone centered, and and it's not just a, a free for all. Uh, chaos, anything goes. um, And and how do you know it's God? How do you know it's not God? Well, there's no way you can tell. It's just all chaos. People get very scared because it's often one extreme or the other that you're thinking of. And so to step away from that, I I was mentored in a really good way by my late mentor when he said, Tim, it's very easy to preach. You prepare a message, you stand up, you say it. You can get really good at that, but that's not what we do. Our work is to represent a very real living God who wants to meet with these people, wants to care for them, wants to heal them, wants to restore them, wants to know them, and wants, wants to love them and be loved by them. And that was a completely different paradigm. So, so he was, you know, so, so he was very clear. So he's like, okay, so... So, so here's what you do: <laughs> if you're going to preach, you th- you go and you wait on God for the message that you've that you've got. Okay, so you've got the message, but then you ask God specifically. Okay, when I'm done with the message, is there anything specific that you want to say to people, <laughs> and are there specific people that you want to say those things to, and what are they? Can I hear from you ahead? And that was very much a big part of his practice, and you know he modeled that to me. He took me through that. So often. So when I did get a preach and I seldom got to preach back then, I, I mean, I was, I was really, I was young at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but I got to do things like alpha and I lectured theology and like a whole bunch of things like that. And so I got, I got to do ministry as, as part of that. And so, so it looks, it looks very different to, if you're a congregation member trying to be included and whether there is or isn't a, a culture of building teams and in his church, there was a culture, he was like, the standard is that everyone can hear from God, because that's the standard of every relationship. Communication is the foundation of every relationship. If you have a relationship with God, you're communicating with God and God is communicating with you. If that's not happening, you don't have a relationship with God. (laughs) And I'm like, I 100% agree. So he's like, cool. The next step is, I trust what God is doing. It's less about whether I trust the congregation than whether I trust God. I need to be able to trust that God is gonna do the right thing with these people and raise them up because it's the spirit that disciples them, not us. So I want to train everyone in the church in how to do ministry. (laughs) And there was this five-step model of ministry time that everyone would be trained into. And that's that's something to like get into in, in in a bit. But but from so so it looked like something different, and I got to participate in that from both sides. My starting point was. Uh, you know, because we didn't have a culture of that in the church. He was like, there isn't a culture of this. And we want the culture of the church to be such that, that everyone desires God and waits on God like that together. And so that's what we aim for. And that's what we, that's what we did. And so that looked like when he was finished preaching, he'd go, let's clear the chairs and wait on God and see what God wants to do. And automatically that changed the space. It changed, it changed the space and it changed the usage of the space because you're either going to then be, go, cool, it's, I'm yet to wait on God, or you're going to pack your chair away and go, fuck this shit, I'm out, I'm going for coffee, I don't trust these weirdos, right? So my first introduction to was exactly that, was actually just going, oh my goodness, this guy actually expects that God is going to draw near and speak. The first time I was in his church, people worshipped like they loved God, he preached like he had a brain, and so did his congregants. And then at the end, he was like, let's clear the chairs and wait on God and see what God wants to do. And someone about my age came across from the other side of the church and said, Hey, I think I've got a word from God for you. And he was right. And it was, it was casual. There was no hype, no motivation. That guy didn't have to go up to the microphone to look like someone cool or anything like that. It just, it just happened. And it, it, it happened. And, and that's why I say when the locus of activity there shifted in and amongst everyone that was, that was present and it wasn't preacher centered or anything like that. That said, Richard was the kind of guy who was also like he'd step up and go, you know, I've been praying. Here's something that I've that I've heard from God. There's a person here, or whatever. Or we'd look across and it would go, "Oh, God's on you." And here's what I see God saying and doing. And it's it, and he'd say that if that was up front, but then the move would be to the congregation and to putting the micro microphone away moving amongst people. And there would be people that were trained in doing ministry that is like, cool, you come do ministry with me. And so, so all the Wimber type phrases of like ministries, caught not taught, you know, all of that kind of thing like came out. It was always about like, find someone who wants to hear from God, take them with you. They'll learn from you as they see you doing it. And then you get them to do it and then you work with them and you guys work together and then you let them do it you step away from them <laughs> and get them to then teach other people how to do it so so there was this constant pulling people in so just to backtrack so so it looked very different from the congregational point of view because you you know people just going i resonate with the message the guys just preached on ten lepers and i realized that i'm i'm in need of healing so I'm going to go up and, and what am I here for? I'm going to wait on Jesus for healing, emotional, physical, whatever. So that's what I'm up. That's what I'm up there for. So so that's congregational participation. So, so it's not just a sermon about what Jesus did back then with 10 lepers. It's the sense that in some sense, you know, by metaphorically or literally, I'm black, that leper, and I want to meet with Jesus. And that's what ministry time's there for. I'm going to meet with you. i want to do my business with God. But then... Your ministry team and the person that's preaching is also taking on the responsibility of going, I actually want to hear from God for people in this environment. I want to hear from God in order to hear what God is saying to people, because I want to see God loving them. And I want to see them experience God like that. And or I want to be in the position of like, like in those days, I was like, I want to see people healed you know, and so what that looked like in the one environment was, um, there are a whole bunch of people that had gone up for healing and the rest of us were in the context of like just worshiping. So we just, we had a second worship time and I looked over and I saw, I mean, it's literally like I saw God on this person. It's like, what do I do? So like I went over to her, here's where the model comes in. You check in with the person. Hi, who are you? I'm so-and-so, you're so-and-so. What are you here for? What do you want from God? okay, well, let's invite God to come. And then it's a question of like sharing what you get from God and then seeing God do that. And in that context, for me, it was just like, cool, can I pray for you to be healed? And she was like, yeah, sure. So I laid my hands on her shoulder and I prayed and I literally felt power flow through me. And I was like, what the hell? I was just like, I've just had the weirdest experience. What's happened? She's like, oh, the pain's moved lower in my leg. So I was like, I'll pray again. Prayed again, felt power flow through me again. What happened? Oh no, the planes move low. So I prayed for her several times and she was, she was healed. And so that, that came from the, my experience of just being in the congregation. I wasn't a youth pastor then. I was just a church visitor. You know, I just, I just happened to be around and I got to participate. And there was a the culture of that in the church that made that possible. And there's practical ways to train that and make that happen and implement structures for that. And that's a, that's a discussion for another time. But then from a preacher point of view, it was different as well. I, my first real experience of that was, um, was taking a group of people away on the Holy Spirit weekend. And I just finished preaching in the Holy Spirit. And then I was like, okay, guys, we're going to, what, why don't we all stand? And, and why don't we wait on God? And, you know, the worship people will do like a little bit of worship just so that we can use that as a way to avoid the awkward silence. And that was the culture of it then. These days, I just strip that away and just to go like, nope, we stopped that. <laughs> um, but back back then, that was the culture and I went with it. And, and in that environment, it was a matter of inviting the Holy Spirit to come and then I had to step forward in terms of responsibility because I was the, the speaker and there were some people there were many people that were trained that were there to support, but the primary responsibility then rested on on me. And in many environments that is the case it's actually becomes leader centered. and that's why I say you've got to work actively to shift that as a culture so that it's earned by everyone. And in that environment, I, I just I mean I literally I looked over at someone and I, I I could see what God was doing. And I was just like, here's what God's doing. And every time I looked at someone and gave them a word like that, this one girl just screamed, like the most blood curdling scream, you know, like the door that you get to open (laughs) or the the nails on the chalkboard. It it had that effect. (laughs) And so that, that was my first public exorcism event where someone had to be carried out that was possessed and demons driven out. And in that environment, it was it it, it was chaos. I was, I was I was inexperienced, and just having to step up and you know give prophetic words to people and you know look at this and reassure people don't worry about this other person we've had carried out this happens all the time i've got this under control and then in in between walking between the passenger back i'm going holy shit god like <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing like what do i do with this like holy god like god like i'm alone here. there's no one to fall back on like shit like i like i need to step up you need to step up like please 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 you know um, the great great prayers of faith happen in begging
1: <laughs> <And> desperation. <laughs>
0: yeah, so so, so I feel like there's there's a difference between those. Often ministry time, there's a there's a sense of leading for the person as a speaker. You have an idea of what you're preaching on and and just what it's going to lead lead to. and then and so you roll with what you've got and you share that. but then, but then from the congregation side or or the ministry team side, you've got people. Uh, ideally who are trained and prepped and practiced in this kind of thing and they get to participate as well. And so you shift from a few words and you know shifting the dynamics to ministry time to actually setting that aside. And then it becomes very congregation centered. So 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 I'm sorry, that's just the incoherent rant from my side, but I'm I'm hoping it answers your question.
1: No 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 that's good. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a few things back in terms of that. So some of what I hear is I hear that that's a very high trust environment on a few levels. So when you when your late mentor says, we trust basically that people have a relationship with God and that's how relationships work. Relationships thrive off communication and they don't exist if they don't thrive off communication. And so it's high trust that god is active and that those who are being active with god you know which may not be completely exclusive but yes that those who are engaging with god and god is engaging with those there there will be things happening because of that so that's high trust it's high trust in that it's decentralized it sounds because i think of the trust that needs to go into okay some some person can walk across a room to some other person and say hey you know introduce themselves etc cetera, etc cetera. is this perhaps i feel perhaps this may be i think god is saying right um it also sounds quite well thought through from a sort of preparation so it sounds quite well prepared in a way and I, and i think good re- relationships and good community flourishings are not engineered, but I think good preparation goes into them. In the same way that a good good relationship often will have the conversation about the conversation. You can often have a preamble around, hey, we're going to go into some deep waters. Let's just talk about how we're going to do that healthily together. Okay, good. Now let's actually do the conversation, right? And I think that's partly what I hear. Some really careful thought has gone into how can we do this? How can we do this well? So that ties up with the fact that it's, as you say, it's also not a free for all. So the to the in the careful thought, there is some structure and best practice. And I think I think sometimes people will resist that, even though, again, good relationships flourish where there is some structure and good practice you know where there is a sense of hey this is a healthy way to communicate with each other this is not this is an understanding of what it means to be you know in possession of needs and you're in possession of needs and this is how we try to reciprocally meet them with each other um, etc so i hear that at the same time, I hear sort of conjoined almost in, a, I hear bravery at being willing to do that, but also coupled with just a lot of humility, it sounds like. And I guess that feeds into the trust. But it's, it seems quite low ego. And I think that's that must be a significant element for the success of something like this. because. Of the let's stand out of the way and see what God is willing to do, what God wants to do, what God's prepared to do, ready to do. You know, and I think that can be quite a clumsy space, quite an awkward space, quite a stressful space. Uh, I think it has possibly high likelihood, maybe no, not likelihood, this high possibility of falling flat on your face because i think lots of people look to that to be heavily engineered and so they want you to put on a show so if you're going to say we're going to hear from god then you best deliver something good (laughs) as opposed to to step out of the way is to go well it's not my job to deliver anything good god is coming to move or not yeah yeah
0: I mean, I I, I was uh, once um, back in those days invited to go speak at a church, which is a very very Pentecostal church. And I'd done a like a normal healthy sermon, and we were moving into ministry time. And the minister of the, of the church he 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 literally then stepped in. So so I I had a team of people that went out with me. There were like five or six people that went with, and they were going to do ministry with me. You know, so they were waiting to see if they got words from God to to step up so that, you know, like it, it goes from me being the speaker to actually, look, we're all normal people. And I might have, uh, I might like to believe I've got some kind of good gift at speaking and I'm speaking and I can teach and whatever. And maybe that's, maybe that's not their thing. Maybe it is, you know, but, but we all hear from God in the same way. And this is normalized. And, and we were shifting into that dynamic and in the space of waiting the minister was like, no, he's got to step in and hype this up. And he took the microphone and he, he, he got the band riling up and then he got people riled up and that. And in that environment, I just realized I don't want to be a part of this. So I actually, I actually just stepped back. And I mean, there were some members of the team that kind of like got on board with what he was doing. And I just stepped back and I stepped out of it because I'm like, I'm I'm not doing this. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm there for. So, so there can be a very clear clash in in values and culture when it comes to this kind of thing and that that's where that's where there's a lot more that goes into this it's not accidental it's often very accidental in the context of renewal but if you're going to have something healthy and sustained it's it's got to move towards practiced
1: and that sounds incredibly mature because i think i think people's default is this no 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 but when what you're suggesting is just chaotic free for all and this is actually a very mature reflection you know if i'm thinking of the model and what you're telling me from your late mentor etc like it's not just ah well we just kind of lick our fingers on a sunday morning and go for it well it, it does
0: look like chaos because it's not as ordered as a single game being played like when rugby's been played you you, you know what's happening when soccer's being played you know what's happening when some people are playing table tennis and other people are playing tennis and others are playing badminton it, we've got these neat quarantine spaces but when you think of the diversity of what god's doing in an environment it's like being on a field where you've got a team that's playing rugby amidst the team of people that was playing soccer while some people are playing table tennis and other people are playing squash you know so it looks like chaos
1: yeah other people are doing ballet yeah
0: Yeah, it looks like chaos on the outside. You know, so so like when I did fencing, fencing can just look like a like a you know, like this like weird sprawl and someone gets stabbed right <laughs> well not stabbed because you've got <laughs> yes. a you've got a you've got a uh, it's a blunt point right <laughs> but but to the trained eye you can actually see the the parry the repost the counterattack, the feints, the, the 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 lunges the the step backs that have, you know there's there's stuff that emerges that the more time you spend in a game and the more you train within a certain game, the more you see that there's different rules. And so so a person in the context of deliverance happening in that space, there's a very different game that's being played there. There's a very different ball that's being dropped compared to someone being healed, compared to someone having an emotional healing, compared to someone getting a word of like, like an encouragement or Anything like that, and 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 a whole range from an actual miraculous healing to just an inner healing to just a like a word of encouragement. Like, th- there's different scales of intensity as well in terms of how the game can be played in that space. Game, obviously, as an analogy, right? So, 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 so I do agree. But, but <laughs> I loved a lot of what you are saying. But you, you, you were looking at a lot of positive attributes. I didn't feel humility and that kind of stuff when I did this thing. Back in those days, and I felt a lot of tremendous fear and a lot of insecurity because it's characterized by, how do I know God's even going to show up? How do I know I'm really going to hear from God? How do I know I'm not going to drop the ball and get it wrong? There were so many of those dynamics that were going on, that that there's a there's a there's a challenging in, inner journey related to anyone that's doing this kind of stuff as the speaker, as someone that's just on the team. As, as someone that's an elder or a leader in a church that has never done this before. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it, which is why, which is why it's important to, to, to look at it as a, as a, as a fuller package, you know, as I say, values, theology, practices, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like I've, I've digressed again.
1: No, no, but that's good. I think, I think that's important that we can get to the personal. I think that's, I think that's a very valuable element that you highlight there what I was responding to was more kind of the model, you know, that you were talking through. But I, I like that. I think that's a natural space also to land in terms of because these are individuals, you know, it's not one group of 100 people as much as it is also a group, you know, 100 groups of one <laughs> all standing in the same building, right? And so the personal is very important. And I like how, I like that the metaphorical language around the number of sports going on at the same time. Um, I think my main point was was there was that, uh, and I get what you're saying. Sure, it, it looked like chaos, but it it isn't. It isn't. But the critique is, yeah, but then it's just a no, you know, no holds barred food fight, and it just, but it's not actually. From what, what you're describing, it sounds as though it's had a lot of painstaking thought put into. So what would this look like in a healthy way where it's neither confined and neither, uh, I don't know, absolute chaos? And so you have to, I think, you have to be able to, to play with the structure and the wildfire, <laughs> you know, almost in the same hand and somehow juggle these two things in the palm of one hand and know I'm I'm in control and not in control. And, you know here i'm also i guess starting to point a bit towards the personal as well but but my point my point is i think that what i hear you describing is there is some sort of model structure that can be set out that it's not just you know fly by the seat of your pants do whatever you want there's you know there there're no you know it's no hold bars there's there's no barriers no whatever boundaries to this, et cetera, et cetera. And and so that that critique holds no water, it is possible to aim for a very mature application of the ministry time thing that that you're talking about, where the priority is. I liked how you talked about the sermon can talk about the 10 lepers, but you can easily just think about that and then go home. This is the invitation to come and embody, be that leper, come and wait upon Jesus, and ask for the actual healing, and do it in a way that you are not engaging with the idea of God, but you're open to the actual manifest presence of God. So, yeah, back to you.
0: I hundred percent agree. So I think of it as as a basic as as a couple of basic building blocks that go into it. The smallest fractal unit of this is an individual stepping forward saying, God, I want to hear from you and I want to experience you and that can happen here and now. That's, That's the basic thing. Now, you can tack any need or want or desire, any situation onto that, but the basic building block is a human stepping forward to saying, God, you can become present in this place and you can meet with me and I'm open to what you're saying and doing. And I I actually want to receive from you and I want to encounter you. That's the basic building block. On the other hand, you 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 can then build onto that and say, hmm, yeah, but you know what? I'm part of the ministry team or I'm the preacher or I'm an elder in the church or I'm a home group leader or whatever. I want you to speak to me because I want to see you move in someone's life. And I know that person. I know that they have, I know what's going on in their life but I want you to speak to me and I want you to move in their life. So I'm wanting to hear from you and, and you can have it open. So so in an environment where 20, say, say you've got a 50 member congregation and, and 30 of them step forward and go, yeah, I want to meet with God in that environment. And you've got, you've, you've got a team of five people then going, there's 30 people there. God, what are you saying and doing? You've got the same building block for both people. You've got the people that have stepped forward saying, I want to receive something from God. I want to be healed. I want to have an immediate encounter with God. And then you've got people in the ministry team um, who are going to minister to those other people as in serve the other people, help them, hear from God for them, et cetera, et cetera, that are then waiting on God saying, who do I see God on? But they they're doing the exact same thing. They that they're often people who have experienced God speak to them in that way that the other people are there for. And in that journey of of, of receiving healing, in that journey of getting to know how God has spoken to them. God starts introducing them into the love for other people and they respond to that love. They respond to what God's doing and go, holy cow, like I've experienced God in an amazing way. I want to see other people experience God in an amazing way. So then they're in the position of going, hey, I'm open. Who do I see God on? Do I see God doing something that I can go join in on? Or is God saying to me, God's saying something to me and I can step forward and share that with someone? Because i I, as a ministry team person, can be hearing a message that that sounds weird to me, but I'm hearing what God is saying to someone else, but I'm not hearing the conversation that person's trying to have with God. And when that person steps forward and they share, often they're sharing in language and imagery that it speaks directly to that person, but you can be totally out of it. and and i've I, I've had that environment. i've I've had someone step up, assuming that I'm you know, back then long haired guy, you know, whatever, they had an idea as to who I I was. So they stepped up to try and like, okay, I'm going to do ministry and I know what this is about. And I could see the person actually being confused and going, actually, I'm hearing the following from God. And I could see them wrestling with that. They're wrestling with their bias against me as this like long haired young guy. But I could see that actually happening. I could see them processing their prejudice, processing their bias, and then going, "Actually, here's what I'm hearing from God." And I was like, "Yeah, cool. I can hear that, and I can hear I can hear the voice of God echoing in what you're saying to me." And then, and then, and then, there's a shift in the dynamic. So, so, you, so again, there you can think of it as building blocks. And the one building block is is the stepping forward with a desire to either hear from God, or to meet with God for yourself, or to hear from God, or to meet with your God, meet with God for others. That's that's the building block of the people that are playing the game of doing ministry or people that are in the situation saying, I want to receive, I want to meet with God, right? From there, it's 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 the question of, of people sharing either what they're there for and then the person going, I'm going to hear from God in line with this and then ministering or in the position of having heard from God, going up to someone and going um, <laughs> tapped up. I think I've heard from God for you, which is a tremendously scary thing if you've never done it. My my first real context of 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 doing that was after having read a bunch of books, Power Healing, Power Evangelism, Jack D is Surprised by the Voice of God and Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit, and i thinking through this and going, hey, God's spoken to me in the dreams, so let me get a dream. Let me ask God to start speaking to me in dreams for people, and God did. And then that led to, I don't know, it must have been a whole month of agonizing over a dream that I'd had. And going, what do I do with this? Like, no one's told me what to do with this. Like, I mean, I've read in this book that, you know, like people are excited by this and they do this. But I've got no one to talk me through this. But God's given me this. So what do I do? And that started a conversation between me and God. So the first experience that I had of that was an extended period of sitting with a month or something before going to see those people, then being told by them that I was wrong and then walking around with my tail between my legs for like three months to then discover via the rumor mill that I was right. <laughs> and I had actually heard from God. And that that's a difficult process. And that was an extended process for me the first time I went through it. So by the time I got to meet up with Richard and join his church and, you know, start doing ministry and get into that there, I'd had that as an experience already. But that experience of wanting to hear from God and going through the process of trying to hear from God, is an important thing and it's peculiar to each and every single person. Hearing from God and then differentiating between what did I receive from God and what am I making of it? Or is God giving me an interpretation? Or must I just give what, I share, what, what I've what received and I don't put a spin on it? Or must I give an interpretation? There's, there's a huge learning block that goes into all of that kind of stuff. And then there's a difference between then seeing that affected in a powerful way. So I remember in the early days as well, being able to go up to people and say, Hey, I think God's doing the following and they go, okay, cool. Yeah. I think you're right. And then Richard would come over and he'd like reference it. And like that person would have a dramatic power encounter with God and huge emotional releases or actually get healed. And I'm like, what the hell? Like I'm clearly not firing (laughs) at all cylinders because I can hear, but, but there's nothing affected with what I say. Nothing actually happens. And then there's there's other people for whom things happen, but they might hear little or nothing. And then in some contexts, God's just doing stuff and no one's hearing what God's doing. People are just experiencing, you know. So, so, So it can look like all of these different things, but those basic building blocks are in place and one can actually, you can take people aside, you can teach them some good theology, you can teach them some good values, you can teach them how to do that in a very practical way. But if the community doesn't have a desire for that, it's never going to happen if people don't have a need to meet with God, it's also never going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I see that's a question that I wanted to ask because I thought, is it a prerequisite that, let's say you are the the ministry person at that point and I am just a person in the congregation, I stand in front of you. Is it a prerequisite that both you and I are hungry to hear from God or is it enough that you as the ministry person can hear something and approach me with it. Because, because I, think, I think of what you're talking about, and I realize that I have been in many contexts where I feel I have been in contact in those contexts with some really genuine ministry people who are wanting to hear from God for people. But when they speak to the people who have come to be, and there's a number of different versions of language that's used here be prayed for, come for something, come to talk to somebody, come for some quiet time, come to hear from God, you know, that, that people have used different sort of language to self report why they're there. My sense is the person in the one direction, it's more of a person to person interaction. And from the ministry person to the person they are ministering to, it can be more of a dual. It's definitely person to person, but they're also trying to hold the orientation of God to that person in front of them. And it's it's something that I've been aware of as well. But it confuses me when I felt, oh, I feel there's a genuine God thing happening here for this person and the response that I feel that I read, and I feel I've seen it in, in other moments, response of a, oh, thank you, Steve, or whoever. That was really special. Thank you. You think, okay, did <laughs> we miss something? I am a bit confused, you know, because that wasn't about me. And so I wonder, is it a prerequisite? Perhaps that's too general to make too much of a generalization, but that's partly what I hear you saying is if the community, i.e. those people standing forward are not hungry, maybe they're just hungry for the human to human. But that's very different because that's that's important. And I think what, what I hear you saying and what we're often saying is the human to human and the human to divine are different things. And we have to be <laughs> willing to just agree that that's, that's a that. <laughs> There's no way around that, you know?
0: in the in the large in the greater picture, this falls apart because we 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 take people and we train them to do church, and then they go about doing church. Then during renewal, God does something different. and that's 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 the thing. so the key thing is actually is actually God's presence and activity rather than the people participating on either side. so so then for that period of time, God does something different. But then, when God stops doing it in that way that God's been doing it, what do we do? We often just return back to doing church because that's what we do. That's what we program for. That's what we train people for. That's what the the institution, the business of the church is, is is about. And I think that's where we that's where we, we we miss it. And I think that you can trace it back further, and I'm trying to. But certainly within Protestantism, every great awakening that we've had begins and ends in the same way, right? <laughs> It's people that are really desperate to experience God. Then God draws near; they have fantastic experiences with God. And when God stops behaving that way, we go, "Cool, thanks for building up the church. Let's go back to doing church. We've got a lot of work to do." And and it's not to say that all of that kind of stuff is bad, but I feel like we're missing something. We're missing something in terms of the culture and the context of what we could have by way of a deepening intimacy with God, following onwards. And that's that's where I think I uh, will go to um, in, in a in a separate conversation.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah
0: in this context it's very hard to to set up ministry time stuff like this if the congregation or the leaders in the church don't want to do it you can't easily do it without being you know that that upstart person in the congregation right if if the people that make church happen don't do this it's not it's not going to happen but if If you're wanting to do it as a as a leader and you're blocked by the other leaders or you're just a leader in the church and everyone blocks you or the congregations really' not into it, it's really hard to shift this kind of stuff. So that's that's primarily what I was commenting on. And you see that as a problem even for Jesus in his ministry. You know he goes about in some areas he heals everyone, and then in another area he goes in and he says, "I could hardly do anything amongst you because you guys just didn't want to play ball with me." loosely paraphrasing, that's a dynamic equivalent translation of Tim. <laughs> but the good uh the good bibliophiles uh, amongst us can 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 easily go and look those texts ups and they should know what I'm what what I'm referring to there, right? <laughs> so 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 what I mean is 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 you're right, that the human-to-human interaction often takes place in the context where people pray for each other. Things can shift where the speaker is ambassadorial. And that's what my late mentor was schooling me into. It's the sense that as the speaker, you go before God first to hear from God about what God wants to say and do. And you're preaching on that God's behalf as the cover band to step out the way and join in with what God is doing when God takes the stage. Th- that language and that culture changed it for me because then you, could, you can go into areas where people aren't used to this and they don't know what they're doing and they don't even know that's what they what they want. But you shift that dynamic to ending your sermon to then shift the dynamic to go, okay, guys, we're now going to invite God to come. Let's you know and and whether it's an invitation to come, Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus, come Father, like like in any of those kind of environments, you're inviting that one true God to become present in a very tangible way and to walk amongst these people, to take the stage. and and you're shifting the dynamic because now it's not you as a speaker. You as the speaker are stepping aside so that you can look to God, so that that dynamic then changes. And I think yeah, you can change it from that point of view. But uh, ultimately, if 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 people don't want to hear from God, God's not a divine. God doesn't force God's self on people.
1: Battering ram.
0: <laughs> yeah, God's not a battering ram. So so consent is an important part of it. And I feel that God doesn't violate people. God's given us free will. God's given us a mind, given us a heart, and and. If we turn to God, God we turn to a God that is that is present and waiting for us. Or we hear God calling for us when we haven't been willing to, and we respond to that God and we turn to that God and find that that's the God that's been calling us. Or we arrive hungry for God to discover that God's also hungry for us. You know, that kind of stuff. So there's there's different dynamics with them. But the key thing is is that ministry time isn't, oh, Steve, will you pray for me for the following? You know, I come to you and say, uh, you know, I'm... Um, um, my, my, um, my left hip is out, right. <laughs> it's, it's actually a bit of a medical problem. I want you to pray for me. Okay, cool. You could pray for me. Or you could go, Hmm, let's invite God to come and see what God wants to do about your hip. And then God, maybe that's not even what God speaks about. Maybe it is like, who knows, but, but you're opening the possibility of that and you're opening up the possibility of engagement and encounter in an immediate sense. And I think that's where it differs because what's happening during worship Worship is the primary thing. So I might get emotional or whatever, but am I meeting with God? Often there is a very strong sense of the felt experience of God in worship, but it's not the same thing as ministry time, as two people coming together in a in a connected way and hearing from each other because worship is still about an expression towards God and often it's praise-oriented. And then the message is about the message. Yes, things can be going on inside people. People can have a, a need to meet with God. But how is that being met? It's often being met in a very indirect way through what takes place there. But in the context of ministry time, it becomes very specific. Because I, if I'm preaching a message to a hundred people, that's like that's a very broad message. You know, I remember once walking up to a, to, to a couple and looking at them, and they, they're they there for ministry time, and I lay hands on them, and I immediately saw an image of a lounge full, full, filled with boxes. And I said to them, guys, I see this as an image. And they're like, yeah, we've just lost our home. Everything's packed up in our lounge. I'd God had basically shown me their deepest thing that they were concerned about, that God was concerned about too. That is very specific. And I think ministry time, you move from the general to the specific. And, and it's not just the specific as in a specific word. It's It's God caring for specific people And those people receiving that care because it's about them and their lives and about God caring for them, God seeing them in the context of their life and God responding to them, God responding to the abuse that they're going through, the difficulties that they're going through, the... the the joys, the losses, et cetera, et cetera, their confusions, you know, a whole bunch of other things, but it's very specific in that environment. And I think that's where I get the most excited during periods of renewal and where ministry time happens and where, like on the Alpha Course, the Holy Spirit Week in a way where this kind of stuff is prioritized, people have this very felt sense that this God is actually real and I can have an experience of God. But then when you go to the rest of church, there isn't a broader framework and a culture that integrates this at all. This often becomes an optional extra at the end of church. And, and I still think that that optional extra is better than nothing. But if you've been doing that optional extra for a few years, you should say, hang on, I'm sorry, that's not good enough for me anymore. I want to be better at this. And that's that's certainly where I felt that I landed.
1: And, and if I think, you know, if I think back kind of if I summarize kind of where we've been in my mind, a, sort of a simple picture comes up. There's some orientations that we speak about. There's also a model that's potentially really, really helpful. But what I hear you saying here is that, to my mind at least, is the foundation is based on desire, hunger. And, and not that that's sort of, you know, melodramatic, you know, if I think about, you know, I don't know, like early teenage love. (laughs) There's some more (laughs) mature expressions of relationship. It's not, it's not frantic, you know, insatiable, always, you know, desires. It's, It's a, it's a deep hunger, desire to be connected with a lover, and to have the lover connected with you. And that's kind of what I hear is is the foundation for that. That's what I hear you saying in if If you're one amongst a hundred and you want it to happen and they don't, that that's that's not a space that's supported by the hunger, right? And so that that for me seems to, uh, yeah, just to, to to sum up kind of a lot of the foundation below that is necessary for all the other things to exist. and that then conversely, if that hunger is not there, that's partly why we just do church and we settle. And I hear that in your language as well. You say, well, that's not enough. Yeah, that's a, it sounds like settling like, well, there's nothing better. So, oh, well.
0: Or, or we look back and we say during the renewal, we did it that way and we did ministry time that way. And that's the way we do it. And then when that quietens down, we go, Oh, oops, look, we don't really have anything else, but that's what we've got. That's our box. And I think that there's, there's a difference between a technician and a scientist and I think in the same way in terms of ministry, there's a difference between being a technician, applying a model, which is where I think where a lot of us land, and being more of an more of an artist or a curator that says, let's shift the underlying culture that we've got and let's look to do that. And, and you've got to do that in bespoke ways on a congregation by congregation basis, I feel. And then and then even more than that, you've got to do it on an individual by individual basis. Because we can very easily, with this kind of stuff, get into a charismatic or a gift-based culture. That's, you know, this is ministry time. What is ministry time? Oh no! And I've avoided this so far, but it's very important to come back to this, right? For for a lot of people, ministry time is what? No, it's 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 the space where the gifts of the spirit operate. Whereas whereas for me, the focus is on the on the God who becomes present to speak and act in a diverse bunch of ways, and and just getting away from those gift boxes because it's very easy to go. Oh, I get words of knowledge, or I get words of wisdom, or you know, my my superpower is healing, you know, as though God disseminates superpowers for people to have. And, and so, sure, there are some people that grow into being synonymous with a gifting over time, but they but they're actually quite rare, and we, we we're not good at producing people that even have spiritual gifts that operate in meaningful ways. And. L- I know that the immediate counter people have as tongues, but I, but for a lot of people, honestly, it's just they're just babbling nonsense and they've been schooled into it. And I'm I'm gonna go out on record and I know that there's gonna be some people very unhappy with me for saying that. Oh. <laughs> but I feel like that is the case as you can only tell us. so many times where go, I've just heard the same thing and you're just doing the same thing in the same way <laughs> to make noise, right? And you see that in the context of theatrics, and again. It's often microphone driven when it comes to any of those kind of things. So, 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 so the unfortunate thing is, 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 is to speak of ministry time, takes people into the territory of, of, of the theatrics and the hype and the manipulation that can happen. And somehow I've got to let go of my fear of that kind of stuff and be more trusting that God is able to deal with that kind of stuff. And in, in many situations, You've got people not making room for God, but they're pretending to have spiritual gifts and they're pretending to do these things. And 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 I think that's that that one of the gifts of the spirits is the gift of discerning, the discernment of spirits, of being able to tell what's genuine, what isn't genuine. And and just like any of these gifts, we need to be able to trust that whatever God, whatever we need, God is going to school us into and supply us with, so that this kind of stuff can be. Healthy, can be natural, can be integrated, and 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 is an expression of goodness and love rather than an expression of chaos and you know egoism and things like that. I think there's a lot of challenges when it comes to this kind of thing, because the place that most of us get excited with this about is is we're often in churches and we're going, man. You know, people struggle to love God, and man, they're a bunch of sinners. They're horrible people, right? (laughs) I mean, most ministers, if they're honest, that's that's actually what they're saying, (laughs) right? And and you're struggling with that because because church is just hard work in that environment, and it's really hard just to do church. And so, what do you want? You want to renew? Why? Because you want people to love God. You want people to love church. It makes everything a lot easier. And then during renewal, that happens. We go, this is wonderful. But, but we're not we're not recognizing that that there was a difference in the way that that I was doing ministry before God showed up in this way. <laughs> and 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 now I'm getting to do ministry in a different way as the minister in a church or a pastor or whatever, because God is present and active. And if God withdraws, do I just go back to doing ministry like I was doing before? And I think that's why renewal ends is because, Renewal is an introduction to the presence of God. It's a first meeting. It is early love in some ways. And and it's not particularly deep because it's based on on power encounters. It's based on, on gifts, and gifts are transactional. And transactional in the sense that God has given a gift and people are receiving it. But are we there because we've got a need that we want God to meet, and once it's met that we're cool? Or are we there, or is there a heart For God and a desire for God that extends from before we had the needs, or extends after that need has been met. You know, say if I'm there because you know my left big toe is missing, (laughs) and I get healed, then that's cool. I've got a miracle story to tell. God did something that was fantastic, and this is why the the mystics always prioritise this kind of stuff, and they saw phenomenal things, right? So we we do prioritise that. Why? Because because uh, nine times out of ten, you'll have you'll have. N- n- say you've got ten people. I'll, I'll use Jesus' story, right? <laughs> you've got you've got ten people with the toe missing. You've got ten lepers. Ten people get healed and they go away all excited, and one comes back and says, "Thank you." The the, the problem with churches in renewal is that is that is that nine out of ten churches don't come back and say thank you and say, "I recognize that that you're a someone who did something, and I actually want to get to know you." And I think the purpose of renewal is is God graciously pouring out things to say that I'm real and I love you and I care for you. Stop just worshipping about me and meeting about me. I want you to know me. And then when God steps back and says, do you want to know me? We go, thanks, all the gifts. We're going to keep playing with them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's well put.